Change will come to those who have no fear, but I am not hurt. Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And tonight is True Detective again, um, episode 203. The title was Maybe Tomorrow. Um, Pizzolatto was a director. I'm not the director, but the writer. And the director was uh, Janus Metz. Um, he has a longer name, but that's all they put on the show. I thought there was like a Peterson or Pedersen or something. I don't know. I've, I've heard some other stuff when I was looking at it, but um, let's just go ahead. What, what were your thoughts on this one? I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, I think the season's gotten progressively better. Each episode kind of getting me more interested and more enthralled in the plot. And I give a, you know, bigger care for each character, you know, the further we go along. I'm really surprised, man. I thought last night's episode was a downshift. Uh, didn't go in the direction, you know. I thought the second episode, we were hitting the pedal, hitting second gear, and I was looking forward to third gear. And uh, no, we stayed second and went, maybe went back to first. Uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, my, my wife was beside me. We, we, we love True Detective. We, we watch shows. She was asleep 30 minutes in. I mean, I was like, Really? And but I really couldn't blame her because I mean you know, once you got past the Ray part in the beginning, you know it went right back to uh, a lot of background, a lot of dialogue, and a lot of things. And uh, and from her point of view, she said it was just, just kind of confusing, and you're losing sight of what's going on. So much information going on, and I was kind of sympathetic to it because I mean there really was. I mean you really think about this episode, there was a lot of movement, a lot of things going on. Uh, you're getting a lot of information about you know all your main characters. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I think it was just a little bit less than the direction I was hoping we were going on, on excitement at that point. I guess I can see where you're coming from, but to me, I kind of like all the character stuff. And I feel like they released these three episodes for screeners on purpose. And I feel like this is this is the character development. We all have a pretty firm grasp on who these guys are now and gals. So I think after this episode, I think like the training wheels come off, you know, and it's going to be a little more, more throttle going the rest of the way. Right, right. Uh, before we get into the rundown, I do want to tell you, uh, I want to thank our listeners. Um, I want you to know that we have gotten, our ranking has bumped way up on iTunes and Stitcher and a few other things. We're getting good remarks. We're getting a lot of positive feedback. And I want to tell you from Bleed TV, we really appreciate it. And, um, anybody who's a new listener or catching us first time or just a regular listener, um, we would appreciate you. And if you have the time, continue putting those good reviews. If you haven't put a review in there, hit us up on iTunes and just give us a little positive mark. Every little bit helps. It helps us expand our show and maybe leads to uh, us expanding it even more. So, uh, again, thank you and uh, keep up the good reviews. Um, other than that, I say we'll go right into the rundown. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, dude, I love this beginning now. I will tell you, the episode ditched downshift for me, but I have the Conway Twitty impersonator, you know, the Elvis lookalike guy, and the whole suit and everything, I loved it. I, I mean, I was like, this is so true detective, you know, kind of a little bit out of the re- reality realm, you know, an older guy just really kind of hitting it, you know, and uh, this is the same song off Napoleon Dynamite and a few other, you know, it's it's a popular song. Um and then blows me away when you see Fred Ward, you know, and you find out it's his dad. Guy. Oh yeah. my God, Mister, you know, Escape from Alcatraz, Tremors. I mean, the guys, in, or Tremors two or three. We want to talk about those, though. You know, uh, <laughs> Tremors, good enough. Yeah, that's good. let's just leave it there. The Ke- Kevin Bacon co-star, you know, um, <laughs> you know, which I hate to say, most of his bodies of work are best when he's a co-star with another male lead. You know, anyway, yeah, um, I mean, how grueling does he look when he's staring at him there the hair is slicked back and just kind of the lighting is trippy and i'm gonna be honest from the opening sequence i figured his dad was dead and i thought they were honestly i thought they were in purgatory or something yeah and like ray was gonna get some kind of like clear moment oh no 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 this was purgatory you would have had that girl singing that crap ass singer (laughs) not conway twitter you know (laughs) (laughs) a little more depressing yeah um but yeah, uh, I love this guy as his dad. I really like this actor. Oh, it He's, was money. He plays rugged so well. Oh, it was spot. And then all the foreshadowing and the predicting and all the information, you know. He's like, well, you got your father's hands. And you see him look at his hands and they're all jacked up and... You know, and then uh, and then he goes into the woods. Oh yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, you're not gonna make it. You can get shot to pieces. That's what this job does to you. And and uh, you're going through the woods, and you're you're just not fast enough. And then when you come out, they shoot you to pieces. You know, you're done. And uh, and Colin, I thought this was a key line. And Colin goes, "Where does this happen?" He goes, "I don't know. You were you were here first. Basically saying." You know, hey kid, you died before I do, and I was kind of like, that kind of throws the you know a wrench in the theory that they're both in dead or perfect. Because I was thinking the same thing, and then he looks down and he's got gunshot blasts in his chest. And I was like, wait a minute, we, we, we told everybody in the spoiler section that Ray was going to live. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, somebody's got holes in him. <laughs> no, I, I kind of knew, and I, I felt like they kept showing the spotlight on the impersonator. To kind of show like the light, you know, kind of type of deal. Kind of yeah. a little, you know. A little symbolism. Yeah, I got you. Slightly, you know, I mean, not like blatantly in your face, but I felt like that was kind of what's going on there. And I did feel like this was kind of an out-of-body experience for him. And kind of a confrontation with his dad, you know. And you kind of see where a little bit of the, you know, the dark side comes from in Ray's oh, character. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, even though it was kind of dreamlike of like that, it gave you background on the character. It just makes that character that much more tasty to the show. Yeah, and I like the fact that it sh- he showed up in the bar. I feel like that's his only refuge. You know? Right. Yeah, that's you where see he him goes go home. To get away. You can see him go home one time, and even in this episode, they get home, and they immediately leave. You're right. You know, You're it's right. like, like he has no refuge from his job or his life or his, his past, you know, except for this bar. By far the best opening of all three episodes in my mind. I thought it was just really cool, real, real true, true detective. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, then of course you see Ray on the floor in the you know in the house he was shot, and same a, music playing. 
Exactly. On the radio. Yeah, the Conway Twitty thing. And, um, you know, you, you get a better visual of the room. And just like we said, the soundproofing was on the wall and all that stuff. And then, he, of course, he shoots up and he's coughing and, you know, he tears his shirt and you see the rubber bullets fall everywhere. You know, there was blood, so it did penetrate skin to a point. God, I hope so. He was six inches away from him when he shotgun blast. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember seeing any blood. But I just remember seeing a lot of bruising and. No, when he pulled, he tore that shirt open. Where a pile of one of those rubber bullets was, there was blood. You know, like it broke skin a little bit. Okay. Um, not much. Um, but I have a real problem with this. If that barrel's six inches in the way, and you're getting shot, rubber bullets or not, I, I think he's got a few of them that are in him. You're not just you know pellets laying on his skin. What do you think? Well, I couldn't tell necessarily if it was rubber bullets or he said like the bean bags or Oh, he said it was rubber bullets. He well, he clearly he, states. He says it was least lethal less lethal. He said even said like bean bags or wax bullets or whatever. And which makes sense to me that it wouldn't penetrate you. Um and like he says, like a cop uses. Oh no, that was a big clue with the ambulance. So, I get you there. I doubt it's like right in your face like that. Like they're giving you away that major of a clue, but it's possible. And if you think a cop would know the lethal range, you know what I mean? Yeah, and true. if he wanted uh, to kill him, he'd have shot him right in the face with it. Yeah. I give you, I mean, or even shot him in the heart. Well, I think, I think we're to the point now that we're, we can establish that he shot him a second time to make sure he was immobilized. Yeah. To incapacitate. And, you know, um, and, and, and that's fine. I, it's thin. I don't like it. Uh, it would have been fine if the second shot wasn't in that point-blank range. If he shoots him from a few feet away, just kind of make sure he's really down, I'm okay with that scene. You know, then it's a little more plausible that he's alive. It just, you know, it bothered me. You know, and it looked more like a gut shot than it did because, you know, he had a wound in the gut and one in the chest, and the broken bones or crack bones were from the sternum, you know. No, he said it was his rib. Yeah. The sternum, he said he took a shot to the sternum. So it looks like they hit him like kind of at the base of the sternum, soloplex area. Yeah. And broke those, you know, hanging ribs probably. And Ooh. Yeah. He wouldn't be running painful. too well. Yeah. Very he wouldn't painful. be running too well. Um, of course, he's at the ambulance and he shows up and says, hey, I thought we were partners. Um, thought that was kind of key, you know, different, you know, because. I've never seen the relationship say that they were partners, you know. It was always like she was the lead investigator and he was the stoolie that had to go with, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I'd say they're still partners even if they're unwillingly partners. Right. Um, he makes kind of a funny, you know, he, he called her Xena. Did you see that? The yeah, little part? yeah. I thought that was pretty neat. And then, of course, you know, while he was on the ground, he goes, oh, my God, I pissed myself, you know? What a random <laughs> line. I, I, I liked it, though. I did. He, and then she walks up. It smells like piss over oh, here. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's, it's inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shoes her away, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, like, and he says, I'll take the day then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, See, I like this. I, I'm already that's good really, dialogue. I'm really, really enjoying their their banter between yeah. them two. Um, Annie goes up to the house, and of course, she sees the lieutenant there combing through stuff. Um, and he tells the person that all the evidence needs to go through Vinci Crime Lab and Vinci this and that. And she, of course, she's like, "Why wow, you at my scene?" And he's like, "Well, I'm just securing it and with that." This sent red flags for me. Um, you know. 
and I got a theory about him later when we get to the usual suspect segment. But is this, uh, have we ever seen this guy before? Oh yeah, he's been okay. in every episode. He's all no matter where the captain. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, this the is chief is. This the is the right hand man, the lieutenant. Right. Okay, okay, that's right. I remember him now. Okay. Uh, uh, he just says he's he's if damn right I'll be here when one of my guys gets shot. Yeah. Um. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him in the usual suspect segment. Um, Frank um, is sitting there, and he looks around the room, and he's got some porn mags and some lotion and then some tissue. I'm like, is my man rubbing one out? You know, I'm like, oh, I knew this was the sperm bank. Uh, well, I'm happy you did, because when I was looking at it, I was like, trying to look at my wife. I was like, you don't know what that stuff is, right? You know, and she just looks at me and giggles. <laughs> and then you realize, yeah, she's gone down on him and holding her little cup and... Uh, he can't perform. You know, he's just not in the, not in the mood. It's he's unnatural, much, he says. Yeah, it's not natural. Stress-related, you know. Yeah, I think his mind's in other places. What do you call it? The internet was blowing up with people saying that he's impotent and so on. I completely disagree. He he says, not not a minute later, that Doc says, I'm fine. This is not my problem. Which is exactly the wrong thing to say to a woman that's having trouble getting pregnant. Yeah. I mean, he couldn't have said anything worse. What a scumbag. I mean, yeah, this you just don't tell a woman move. that. I mean, you, yeah. she's just had her mouth on your dick. And this is your fault. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just... I mean, come on. Just a brutal way to handle it. And you could tell. I mean, he's his mind's occupied. And the fact that he doesn't feel comfortable in the situation. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, she hits him with a, you know, a good one. Why don't you suck your own dick, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> damn. Um, you know, the... Uh, then we go back to where Paul uh, Woodrow, the Taylor Kitchens character, um, is talking, and they release the information about uh, the you know the car and that um, cattle and the house. The catalysts are the ones the company has was leasing the house, um, leasing the phone, the car, all that kind of stuff. And um, we need to check for those records. Uh, just, you know, kind of giving you some more background that Catalyst is more and more involved. You know, and I went back and I watched episode one and two. And I'm just trying to look for those little Easter eggs. And plus, I went and read it and a few other places. There's little symbols of Catalyst everywhere. You know, did you notice the sign? Um, you know, when they find the body, Castro's body out there, there was a sign from Catalyst there, right. and there's Catalyst here, and it just it makes you wonder. You know, there there's a bigger player, a bigger situation here, and they keep hitting those little bitty little bitty tidbits of information every episode so far. Catalyst this, Catalyst that. Right, and the fact that Frank went to went to Catalyst to talk about the deal and the fact that Casper, you know didn't do the paperwork, didn't follow through on the purchase and but they were all buying in to Catalyst. It's like Catalyst was making the purchase. Like you you paid the money to Catalyst. Like Frank gave his money to Casper. Right. And he and was creating Casper a holding was company. To, yeah. You transfer it to Catalyst so they could buy the property. Right. Yeah, it was just a it's a large group of people pooling enough money together to buy all this development that was going to be the future existing commercial property of the railway. And you'd make millions and millions of dollars on it. And, right. and so, I, yeah, I get that. So it, it's one of those things. I think it's going to, more is going to develop as we go. 
Um, then you see Paul and Annie in the car together and they're talking. Not a whole lot of dialogue here. And the only thing exciting I hear is, is, is that a fucking e-cigarette? You know, they keep talking about this e-cigarette, you know. It's kind of getting a little redundant. You know, I, I enjoyed the first comment by Ray, but, you know, I keep moving on. But the, their chemistry, way different. You know, it was, it was kind of like it was awkward. Yeah, and I think this is where she tells him to use his good looks to go talk to the escorts, right? Yeah. Um, and the working girls and stuff like that, uh, which he agrees to, which is fine. Um, Reluctantly. But I don't care how good he looks. He is just like a down, sad, angsty looking dude. Yeah, so there's, I don't know. I'm not feeling it yet. Uh, Frank and Ray at the bar. Frank's, uh, you know, kind of talking to Ray. And Ray just looks pissed. And of course he should be. And he's like, you know, what the hell, Frank? You walked me into something here. You know, he's like, have a drink. And he goes, nah. And he goes, that takes the edge off. I'd rather just stay mad right now. You know, yeah. uh, it's like good dialogue. I like this. Yeah, what do you say? He said, nah, I'm sticking with water. It keeps me mad or something like yeah, that. I don't want to take the edge off. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, I really stuff. enjoy that. And I'll be honest with you, I know it had just been shot and stuff like that, but this is the the most, like, I don't know what to say, virile or, like, focused that we've seen, Ray. Oh, yeah. He doesn't look sloshed. He doesn't look like... He's sketchy or shattered. He's on and the point. How about the lighting where he's back and it's just his eyes are just blacked out in shadow as he's staring at Frank. Oh, yeah. So I was like, ooh, this looks good. You know, yeah. I like the way this looks. Kudos, because I, I, I'm happy you mentioned that because I would say that I thought the lighting and how they did some things and camera angles were interesting this time. But believe it or not, a lot of the um, feedback and a lot of the talk out there is that they didn't appreciate this episode compared to the first two, that they didn't enjoy Justin Lin's more. I think it's more about the content, not the direction of what was presented. Would you agree with that? I don't know. Because I, 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 I think each episode has gotten better. I like two a little better than one and three a little better than two. So, to me, it's just progressing, you know, positively each time. Now, you know, I can't really pull any cues from director to director so far. I don't see much difference. I will say that in the first two episodes, you got a ton of the B-roll footage of the highways and just little scenes yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, was laying, less this time. Laying the landscape more. Now, we did get a couple shots of the highway and stuff like that, which is which is fine with me. Um, but I thought there was less of that and more plot this time. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, Ray looks at him and says, you know, what was Casper into? What are we into here? I want the truth, you know. And he kind of tells him, you know, hey, money here. He was into that and so on. Um, and Ray just gets up and leaves. Well, <laughs> I thought this was I thought this was another great line in the episode was is that the waitress walks up and goes, what, you know, what kind of happened to him? And uh, Frank looks at him and goes, somebody murdered him. <laughs> you know. And yeah, that, which I'm, I'm thinking Ray thinks that somebody's cut the balls off of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, because last episode he was talking about how he didn't have it in him anymore. What he was doing all this for may be taken away from him with being his son. So I think Frank keeps adding all this together and he thinks he's kind of neutered at this point. I can see that. Maybe can't make the tough decisions anymore. Right. Um, Annie and Paul visit the mayor's house in Bel Air. Um, Oh my, did, did this wife, wow. I mean, this girl, 
she whoever this chick is i, I, I looked up her name and i don't forgot uh does she not look like a cracked out space cadet like you have ever seen before and she, she i think she had an accent and so i think she had of a uh like a mail order bride type of thing going on to here. me yeah she clarified stepmother you know she clarified well obviously she's old enough to be his daughter so uh, yeah Ugh. This mayor, uh, this this character they've created. This whole thing was a weird scene. It really was. You know, I, I didn't. I knew we were going to see her. You know, she'd probably be spaced out and high or like that. And I knew we would see this son, and he'd be a, you know, slime ball loser. I did not expect how they unfolded this house. I think the house made some more intriguing evidence and question things you know the whole going upstairs seeing a girl you know you notice that girl that girl was from um breaking bad i can um god what was her name but she was an actress in breaking bad um the one that looked at the door and then closed it um and then of course they throw a chick over the balcony into the pool and yeah that was rough <laughs> i was like and then the guy coming down and then the whole accent thing you know that makes total sense to me that that's somebody putting on a show basically trying uh, to be cooler or tougher or seem more exotic right and then um and then you kind of he gives some tidbits of information and you know he's basically a party organizer any kind you can think of and i think he definitely knows casper i think he you know that whole theory of that there's big parties with high expensive girls and big rollers and this guy is a part of that you know um, I think it's just even a if he's a if he's a low clean. end, I think he feels yeah. like he's a big shot. Oh yeah, he, he he thinks he's a player because of his daddy. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt. Um, it was it was kind of a different little area. Uh, it was more intriguing than informative to me. Well, I think it just shows how rough shape the house of the mayor is in. Oh yeah, he's like, "Did you have a party last night?" And he goes, "No." You know, yeah, she, this is just a. Basically a dump, you oh, know. How about the how about the huffing or the, you know, the inhaling the? Uh, oh, that's just what? a gravity bong. I mean, that's, she's just that's just marijuana smoking there. That's nothing big oh, deal. Okay, you know, I've for seen my it. eyes, she says. Yeah, for, for eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh! And the chick that they threw off the balcony, which could have easily killed her, uh, she was just as giddy as could be. Just oh yeah. Psh. I don't know. This these people are messed up. Yes, there's a lot of issues. Um. Ray goes to the doctor, and this doctor, bravo, just goes ahead and tells him like it is. You're drinking drugs, poor food. Yeah, uh, your liver's on the edge. Yeah. Um, and then I, I love this part. Do you want to live? And he kind of stares at the camera for a few seconds, and you realize he's actually staring at a x-ray of his chest and stuff. Now I looked at that X-ray and I couldn't see nothing that it, you know indicated to me that he had cracked ribs or broken sternum or anything. I thought that maybe you'd see a mass, like maybe he was letting you know he had lung cancer or something. But no, you know, it didn't. Sh- I couldn't see anything. You see anything? I mean, it was just like a large white mass in the center. I don't know if that had something to do with his liver or what, but uh, or it could have been like internal bruising right there below the sternum. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like the doctor here. Um, then this might be my actual my line of the episode. Well, this is where, this is your favorite line. Yeah, where he's talking about you know, I'm all for a little hard living, but it helps not to have every yeah. you know vice in the book or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you <know>? exactly, exactly. <laughs> I like that. I you like know. it. Kudos to that. Kudos. 
Um, Annie and Paul, um, they discover a safe deposit box. It's a real quick scene. It's got a bunch of money, uh, a bunch of paperwork for a bunch of LLCs, and even a little baggy uh, blue diamonds. And they're all businesses related to Catalyst again. It's another another little tidbit towards Catalyst again. Um, then it goes to where this this is this leads into my favorite line. Uh, Ray is sitting in the mayor with the mayor, his command, you know, his chief and his lieutenant, and the mayor's you know stooley, and uh, they are pissed. You know, the mayor's pissed that that you know the other two went to his house and like that. <laughs> you know, and he's like, I love this. It's not my favorite line, but the mayor had two or three right in a row. You know, you know, Bederita is going to walk the plank, you know, and he's like, you know, even when there was one part where Ray's like, well, she's kind of running this. He goes, fuck that. She'll be running the yogurt stand when this yeah. is over. You know? <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, some people really hate this mayor character, but I think he's perfect. I think he's slightly the comic relief. Because he's such a train wreck. I oh mean, he my is gosh. just yeah. uh, He's always just like sweaty. You can tell he's on all the time. Yeah. You know, he's he's messed up. Yeah, he he might be a tad over the top, but I enjoy it. I, I think it adds a little spice to the show. But I look to this guy to make a mistake because he's too like out of control. You know, yeah. Well, he thinks he's untouchable, so he'll do something that backfires. Yeah, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to end up doing something dumb. You yeah. know? And before we get too far, what do you think about the Blue Diamonds? <sighs> Catalyst is a chemical company. Like, could they be making, you know, the... Not false diamonds, but, you know, they know how to make diamonds now. Um, You know, I, when I saw it, I didn't think nothing of it. I, I just thought that... that when you find a container full of cash and then there's diamonds and, you know, diamonds, I think of international currency. And so to me, it looks like a safe deposit box where if you want to get out of Dodge real quick, you know, that's your, you go there, get it and you see you buy. Yeah. But blue diamonds. I mean, these things were like a dark Navy. Yeah, they color. were definitely, you know, some Navy looking junts. Yes. Yeah, so I think there might be a little something to this. No reason to show them. Just randomly. Yeah, I give you that. I, you know, that never crossed my mind. I mean, I don't know the significance, but I don't know. It makes me want to look into it, and I'll try to get some information for that for the next episode. Yeah, I'm curious about the Blue Diamond deal. Yeah, let's definitely look into that and write that yeah. down. Um, you know, and then Ray, this is where... Um, this is where Ray kind of gives my favorite line of the episode. You know, he's just like, well, I'll say the Ray and the Mayor in combination. He's like, you know, you know, uh, y'all might pull me off this, but his line was, you know, I'm not so good at this Columbo thing. And the Mayor blows out there, who the fuck is Columbo? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was like, no, they did not just do this, you know. And the Mayor's clearly old enough to know. Oh, Columbo. yeah. If anybody in the room should know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. I don't know, the chief. He looks like he's still in he's the 60s. He's seasoned? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the lieutenant and chief are kind of st- telling him, hey, we want you to steer this in a different direction. You know, keep going to the prostitute angle and get this resolved. You know, not solved, resolved, you know. Um, definitely tells you their motives again. They're definitely, you know, reinforcing. They want this to go away. They just want to push it until the deal is done. It's like whether it's resolved before the deal is done or it's just 
kind of being swept under the rug All right. before you the know, deal's and done. And we do a usual suspects later segment. You know, I just, I'm curious. Do you think, realistically, the chief and the lieutenant and these people like that, do you think they have a stake in this deal? Oh, they all do. They all do. Well, I think the mayor does. There's no doubt in my mind. And I know the mayor controls this police force, but do you really think that there is a monetary value for them? Absolutely. I think think that everybody's scratching each other's back. And these are all big players in Vinci. You know what I mean? So they don't allow you in Vinci without being on the payroll. You know what I'm saying? Right. So remember, it's like a 95 population and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. No, no. And, and of course, everybody and their brothers come out and talked about how this Vinci is the comparison of a small town in California called uh, Vernon, yeah. uh, which is, has like 115, and they had some corruption issues, and as well as uh, a murder um, where a body was found in San Francisco off the bay, you know, and all this stuff, different circumstances. But a lot of people say this is where they get a lot of their, you know, background and pinpoint from. Um it goes back to where Annie finally goes back, I guess, to her squad, you know, where we see Elvis again. And he asks her how they treat you, how things going. And she has a little catch line. She's like, oh, yeah, well, they're treating me like a cheerleader on an oil rig, you know. And I, I thought that was kind of witty, you know. Um, the boyfriend shows back up. Okay, know. didn't know he was a cop. So Yeah, completely news. Um, come to find out, I figured this guy out. And he has been in some other stuff. Um, I think his only other big TV role here recently was is that he was in 24 for at least a half season as a main character. I don't know his name. But anyway, not like it really matters. I don't see him being much of a punctual character the rest of this season. Um, you know, she kind of says, hey, this is kind of done. And, and he, what, did, what, did, what did he say to her? Like, um, She said it's run its course, and he said that you're a, a suck it and leave it, huh? Or something like that. Yeah, it was... It was a little brash, but yes. And she, she said to keep it professional or yeah, be mature. Oh, and then she busted him up. She's like, you keep talking like that. You're going to need a baggie for the teeth when you come out of here. You know? Yeah, you'll need a baggie to carry your teeth out of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. You, she does not look imposing. This guy's, you know, a big fellow, you know, like that. I'd have giggled if I was with him. I didn't, I didn't get this. Here's the thing. I think they're buttering everybody up for the fact that I mean, they wouldn't have shown us all the knives. They wouldn't have shown us the boot knife and the buckle knife and the back knife and the, the gun. You think, we're going, you think we're going to get some payoff for all that? We're going to get possibly a brutal attack on her that she ends up chopping somebody up, you know, cutting oh, them gotcha. up good. Well, I... I- I don't see her, like you say, a brutal attack. I think she gets the the wrong end of the stick on an attack. But like she says, she's gonna make she's gonna get somebody, you know. And I don't think she's like gonna like go Bruce Lee on somebody with knives. I think somebody will grab her and she'll do a couple quick stabs or shunts, and then it'll be over, and then somebody will bleed to death, you know. I don't think it's gonna be like. You know, and start taking folks out with knives. No, I'm not looking for some ninja shit. I'm just talking about, I think somebody's going to underestimate her, and she's going to do some brutal damage to somebody. I hope so. I swear, if we have a knife-throwing, you know, bandito like off a Desperado, we got a problem. Okay? She starts, she starts whipping knives out of vests and different things. Oh. we got we got issues. I don't think we're going there. <laughs> um, so, random. 
the I didn't understand this cut down. You know, this che- Elvis is a guy who walks by and calls him a mama's boy. You know, they got a little stirred up. Where this was out of left field for me. You know, where I don't understand the context of this mama's boy crap. Did Elvis say that to him, or yeah. did he say that to Elvis? No, Elvis said it to him as he was walking by, and he's like, "What the hell did you say?" And then she had to get oh, between she them. Shoves him out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> left field. I mean, way out in left field. What, I mean, who knows? And maybe we'll know. see a future fight between Elvis and this guy. Maybe so. Um, Ray visits his dad and Fred Ward. Um, uh, he has some good little line. And he, he he said, "Dad, why don't you just you know why don't you just drink from the bottle?" And he goes, "Drink if you drink from the bottle, you got a problem." You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, did you notice how? old and frail his hands look when he was grabbing that glass oh he's just showing some age obviously. he is definitely showing some age you know he asked him where his badge was which is sealed in glass and it was in the trash can i know it you know so this Frank, is, he just did not look that old i mean most recent movie i remember him in is um joe dirt and god that doesn't feel like it was a long time ago but it, god, i think it was you know I mean, it was. Oh, how he has not aged well in 10 years. Yeah, but I love how he's aged because he has so many lines in that face and oh, so much yeah. character. He's a walking piece of sandpaper. I mean, yeah, it's rough. like um, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. You know, just the wrinkles and the lines. They give it so it's much character. character. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of character. He I mean, says nothing, and you, you know so much. He pulls off looking like a, a drunk that's been really uh, hard. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a good casting call. Kudos. Uh, you know, as you said, the badge is uh, trash. Are you eating anything? No, he's just sitting there smoking grass. Well, he also said, are you eating anything? He just like pointed at a beer can. Like, <laughs> oh, I got my liquid lunch. <laughs> yeah. You know. Uh, I don't need to eat, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, gives a little background about Vincey Cobbs and how he used to be able to do real police work and before the OJ thing and a few other things. And then he blows us out of left field with this whole no country for white men, you know, little racial aspect. No room for a white man in this or something like that. Yeah. Okay, so what he's saying is where you could used to do police, real police work. I think that's kind of a statement on current events oh yeah. social media how things are going cameras everywhere Basically, you have to do so saying, politically correct used to be able to stomp a few heads oh yeah and you know beats people up to get what you wanted to know or you could or, get to the truth a lot easier yeah you, know, you used to be a little more brutal there wasn't so many eyes on you there wasn't so many yeah. consequences oh rubbin's racing just like police gotta do police work you know? yeah so he's like you know he's got half a pension so it kind of gives you an idea that he did something bad and he was just, he had to go. That's why he's chunking the badge and everything else. You get that vibe? I don't even know if it's that. I think maybe he left the police early. You know, once things got so out of bounds. So just. Yeah, because he said, you know, this guy, you know, they're talking about the chief there, you know, or whoever the other cop they were talking about. He's like, yeah, he's a smart, you know, he got out. I think it was the lieutenant he was talking about. Yeah. And uh, was talking about how he was a good cop, you know, a real straight guy and. And uh, he was thinking ahead, you know, moving to Vinci. Yeah. You know, they're, which they are. I mean, with the chief of police earning 300K, somebody's thinking ahead. Nice. <laughs> Even if the lieutenant's making half. I mean, dang. Yeah, which I'm sure they're rolling. Yeah. Um, moves to Frank back at the casino when he's talking to Ossip. 
And uh, Ossip's not giving him the news he wants. He says, you know, he's going to talk to his people and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, get the hell out. You know, I don't need you. I don't have to have you. You can just tell Frank is at the end of his rope. He's frustrated. The deal's not going to happen that he was, you know, wanting to close. Casper has screwed him. And this is the beginning of the end, you know, the way he's looking at things. Um, and you see Ossip go outside and really interesting that they keep showing this, you know, people being real friendly to his wife, kissing her hand, talking. That happened a lot in the first episode and so on. And it, I I don't know. Do you think it's a clue to something or there's an inner tangle or anything to that? No, I think it's just kind of a a power play. I mean, Ossip can clearly see what he's looking at. You know, an eye in the sky style, and he walks down and kind of just a slight slap in the face by kissing his wife's hand. You know, and on the way out. And, yeah, yeah, no, I, I can see that. I can see that. Because uh, I think Ossip's kind of is playing with him a little bit. Yeah, like they don't have to have this deal. They're right. here, you know, for interests and you know having fun. Ossip could care less about the new Frank. He likes the old Frank. Right. Um, Paul meets up with, looks to be an old war buddy. Um, yeah, this is, you old, know, uh, his, uh, what's the mercenary group that he was Black with? Mountain. Black Mountain, which some people say could be like Blackwater or the comparisons. And oh, the man, yeah, that's easy to Anyway, um, you find out this guy had history with him before Black Mountain. You know, they were talking about their war days and different villages, a place he would want to stay. In Afghanistan, yep. Um, you know, and of course... And then it goes right to the, you remember them three days, you know. I think this is just more or less confirming that Paul is a, uh, Paul's character is a closet, you know, homosexual or um, he's an indifferent homosexual. He's he's angry that that's what he feels or um, doesn't want to, you know, doesn't want to believe that's what it is, or you know, and he's trying to repress anything that deals with that. You get, you know, you get in that same vibe. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the guy laid it on pretty thick about, you know, I never wanted to leave. It could have been a place I stayed. Like yeah. that was the happiest moments of his life was spending those three days with. Well, I thought he was talking about the village when he talked about that. No, I think no. He, what happened at the village? Oh, okay. Was him and Paul had their little Fling. affair. Right, yeah. so and it's crazy. This reminds me a lot of House of Cards, and you have a little bit of this with Frank Underwood too, where he has a little bit of a gay past yeah. um, with one of his best friends. And the same kind of deal. The other guy has moved on, kind of like Paul's appeared to moved on from that, but he's super confused and super kind of belligerent about you know any f- homosexual feelings he may have had or you know, being vulnerable at that time or whatever. Uh, You can just tell Paul is a very conflicted man, you know, between things that happened with his mother, what happened in war, his thoughts, things like that. Guy's got some issues. And I think um, they did a lot of character development this episode with not a whole lot of material. They just learned a lot, you know, in a short period of time. And it was good. I want to see what happened with the mom. And the stepdad or whoever dad was or whatever. You know, if there's something went down there and if he's conflicted because he's not sure he made the choice, you know what I mean? Like, is he different because of his past? You know, is he so conflicted because of what happened to him as a kid? 
or was that really how he feels? What happened at war with his buddy there? I don't know. That's I mean, it's good. I think I think we'll get some more, but I don't know how many more visuals we'll get. I think we'll get a little more dialogue, but you know, when I it's just his mother, I think, really damaged him. I mean, when you're sitting there and you're like, go back to your room. He want to watch a Clint movie, and if you look in the background, instead of pictures of him, there's pictures of Clint Eastwood. It was just really. <laughs> There's some there's some stuff going on there. Clint's the man, though, for real. Yeah. Clint. Never go wrong. Never go wrong. Um, you know, and then when he throws his buddy down and gets away, you know, kind of runs away in a huff, how about Sweatsuit taking pictures of him? You know, this was out of left field, too. Is that who that was? Yeah, that fat piece of crap. You know, those, okay. the Vinci cop partner, you know. Well, he's no partner. That's one that even Ray didn't even want to deal with. Right. So, I mean... What does that spell out? I mean, you. So my my instant thought was is that they are Vinci's trying to take care of themselves. They know they're using this investigation to get dirt on them, but maybe if you can keep tabs on these cops that are coming after them, you could use it as leverage on the road to saying, well, you know, if you're gonna try to dirty us up, I'm gonna let you know how dirty your cops are that were investigating us. You get that vibe? Uh, kinda like where. If we're going down, we're all going down in a way of blackmailing. Yeah, you know, well, it, oh, you found something on us? Well, we found something on you, so you won't say nothing. Yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, the way they're greasing him, like, oh, we'll make you detective after this and stuff like that. You know, trying to grease Paul up. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of shady, too. Oh, yeah. He's expendable. There's no doubt. And in a way, I kind of think Sweatsuit is a, it's kind of the backup plan. Like, he's there to keep an eye on all of them, even Ray. Yeah, you know what I mean? he's in deep. I'm better, you know, that's all he does. But what I'm saying is, is maybe they don't trust Ray anymore. And well, they've got you, this guy. He's giving them good reason. He wants out. Right. You know, I ain't good to Columbo. I ain't does this. You ain't steering the direction right. He's growing a conscience. He's becoming a liability. Right. So use this guy to keep an eye on all of them. Try to get dirt on all of them. And when push comes to shove... You have a Vinci cop turning on another Vinci cop if the you know if it had to, you know what I mean? Like investigations yeah, it's a, it's come, a fail safe. Yeah. they can all be like, it was all Ray. You yeah. know, the rest of us are straight. You know, we hate that one of our, our you know one of our own in our department. We had to take care of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, they go back to the the wire room. You know, um, Annie's got pictures of the caddy. One o'clock in the morning. Um, and you can see a subject in the back of it, which they establish is Casper. Um, they tell you that the car was owned by a shooting company for Hollywood, and they have since reported it missing. Um, and they go down to this, uh, I guess, the theater or movie production company. And This is a studio. Yeah, the studio. And... Man, was there a ton of people on the internet and Reddit, and we've got a little bit of feedback saying this was all a uh, throwing a stone at Fuganaga or you know the former director and their problems. That you know, it's coincidental that they're talking about uh, a movie being made about an apocalyptic and the world falling, and it's made by an American slash. Um, Asian director and everybody's saying this is, you know, Pizzolatto throwing stones, you know, or, you know, 
I didn't I didn't catch that. I didn't get that. If it is, that's sad. I don't know. I don't know enough about the feud to I don't know enough about Fukunaga or Pizzolato to know how much this is hitting the nail on the head. Um but everything I've read in the news about Pizzolato is he's just kind of a petty dude. And the fact that Fukunaga got so much credit for the first season, um, and Pizzolatto was seemed to be really, you know, tore up about that and wanted more of the credit, you know, and from what I understand, that's why they butt headed, you know, why they butted heads, and it's why he's not a part of the season, and you know, sad. It really is. It's so petty because Fukunaga did such a good job. In the first season, I mean, he really showed how amazing he is at his job. He accentuates his writing. I mean, in my well, mind, he makes just, his writing better with the visual appeal. It's it's true. It, it's that's what's the saddest thing is, you know, his need for attention uh, got in the way of what could have been an amazing partnership. Exactly, I'm with you there. Um, Convenient, Ray starts talking to this random Candom guy who's taking pictures of, you know, barely clothed actresses out there. And this guy seems to know it all. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. You know, we went here. There was big parties, big money, this and that and so on. A little convenient for me, you know, just to be shooting the shit with somebody at a you know, movie place just for this guy to have this much information. Well, the thing of it is, I think the only reason he came at this guy is because he was a set photographer. Um, set photographer pretty much knows everybody because they take pictures of all the people working on the set and the crew and the meetings and everything. So, and leave it to a photographer to know people, you know, and, and to see them and know when they come and stuff like that because he's following everybody around basically taking pictures. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, like they said, they talked to the Asian director. He doesn't have much. He kind of tells them it's... You know, he was invited to the big parties, but he wasn't a major player, and it didn't give him really much and kind of yeah. deflects. And then they run into Casper's secretary again, and she's there to pick up tax papers and records and so on. Um, thought this was a strange sighting tidbit. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, and then, of course, they talked about the they talked to the car company. Um, what you know, was it strange for this not to be there or that? And then this is where they get the information about the guy who the driver was who quit the job, which is another convenient note, and which we, you know, they talk about later on. Um, it moves back to Frank, and uh, he's in back at the casino, and all of a sudden Blake shows back up, the redheaded wonder. We hadn't seen him in a while, you know, because you remember the second episode, he's like, "Where in the hell is Blake? Where you know?" Da, da. He talking about my phone died. I've been with my woman. He's like, what am I, a teenage girl? You know? And, yeah. um, you know, some people are blowing up. And I, I was convinced this guy is dirty. He's involved. But this scene right here totally turned me away from that. Um, and I'll explain that more later. But he... It's just, it was really, really, really strange, you know? And then he, he hits him with the whole stands dead. Um, and this leads to the, I thought was a really cool camera angle to see Frank's character and all of his guys like looking at the camera, but like looking down and you, you know, basically the camera angle saying you're the dead guy stand getting looked at by four guys above, you know? Okay. Stan. Right. Right. That's this guy's name. 
Were his eyes burned out? No, not that I could tell. They look burned out to me. I don't know. I think if they were, you would have seen a better visual. I didn't get that. I okay. didn't see it. They just looked that way to me because they were kind of like black slits and they looked a little like maybe like powdery burn around it, kind of. I had to go back and wa- look again, but it seemed that way to me. So. Yeah. I don't know, I have to look at it again. I didn't see that, so if it's there, if it if it was, and I missed it, y'all send me some feedback and let me know that I'm an okay. idiot and missed it. I might be completely missing the ball. Yeah. That one. Well, then send the feedback and tell my brother's an idiot. So there we go. <laughs> um, you know, and then Frank kind of goes back into a rage, and he's like, you know, they're making plays, they're making moves, they're coming after me. Who is it? Who is it? You know, and getting pissed off. You know, Vince Vaughn. Um, I think he did a better job this time, this acting. I think um, his character is getting more and more likable, more and more enjoyable to um, to watch. Uh, there's some people out here who are liking him, but there's a lot of them are just like, he can't do it, he's not pulling it off. I think it's getting better. Um, I think it's gotten way better. I'm uh, enjoying it a lot more. I, I, I'm sold on him. You know, especially when we get to the part where he's talking to the pimp and other guys. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, And it shows Paul's character working the streets, talking to hookers, this and that, trying to get information. And he finally, um, there was a scene where he takes a break to get a drink and he looks over and there's this person on a knee in a Cupid outfit. looks like they're giving somebody a blowjob like that. Are they showing that? You know, like he sees a guy servicing somebody, or was this because was one of the escorts he was watching from his motel room in a Cupid outfit? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that one was. Both of them were. Uh, Both the guys were in Cupid outfits in last episode. The ones he was watching from the. So I mean, they're showing this again to show another male hooker. Basically, or same probably. You know, just to show that they were male escorts and stuff like that. Right. And it almost like he it almost seems like the way he's doing it, like he's conflicted and like maybe wanting to go like he's considering make a purchase. Yeah, you know? he's considering yeah. Right. make a purchase. <laughs> Cash a check. Leave a deposit, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> you went there. You went there. Um he ends up running into a couple of you know, women and then a guy walks up and you can tell he's an escort. And he gives him some, you know, information. Yeah, I seen this guy. He's at that club down the road. They're not gonna let you in there looking like, you know, scruffy cop like you. And you know, he's, just, you know, he's like, oh, okay. Which of course he leads later. He gets him into the club. Um, but then it shows Annie and Ray at Ray's house, or a little cameo at his house. Um, don't have a chance to talk much before his wife shows up. Um, explain. Explains that the state police are looking into everything, questioning her about the. If there's a sudden influx of cash. If uh, if you should know anything about, you know, Ray taking care of the scumbag who raped you or that kind of stuff. And uh, I think she was just more or less saying all that to kind of help scare him away. You know, like just go away. This goes away. And of course, since she offers him ten grand. Would you take it in his shoes? No, I, I like what he did in this situation. And she's what she's trying to do is avoid her son hearing about it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, or the possibility that she finds out, or he finds out that he's a he's the 
the result of a rape. And the guy who he's called dad his whole life be a dirty cop. So she's trying to give him money to just run. Just go start over somewhere else. You know, this is all I can do for you. I think she still has feelings for him, but mainly it's protecting her son from having to deal with more drama dropped on him. Right. I'm with you there. I'm definitely with you. Um, then it goes back to Paul Woodrow's character. Uh, and he's uh, he's got into the club. This escort got him in. And then he bumps shoulders with Frank. Now, if anybody didn't know, Frank, Vince Vaughn, is an imposing man. Six foot five and a half, almost six six. Not a small character. Now, the internet lit up with theories about this shoulder bump. Okay. They know each other. They don't know each other. Was this a stare down like I'll whip your ass, you know? Was this a power play? You know, I didn't get anything other than they bumped into each other and it's just ironic karma that they ran into each other. Yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to take too much from this. I thought it was just a kind of a a neat coincidence that they would bump into each other and you could tell they're both kind of on edge. And to me, it shows that the investigation is getting closer to Frank step by step and this was the first yeah. the first true you know literally running into him exactly exactly yeah. without knowing each other or what they are right crossing paths um then you have Frank you know and he's in the back room of this club and he's got all these crews in front of him and he starts barking orders about you seen this guy hands out flyers with this picture and stuff you know, you talk to your hose, you talk to this, anybody knows anything, Rouse Chase, you need to report to me. And his big pimp there, um, God, I looked up this guy's name. But anyway, you know, old Gold Grill walks out and, you know, says, you ain't who you are anymore. You know, you, you, you can't do this. You can't be barking orders. This meeting's over, you know. Well, he used to own the club. Yeah. And he sold the club to the pimp. So... All these people, as far as they're concerned, you could tell in their faces too. Like they're like, "You weren't legit. Yeah. You know, you're not this guy anymore. You sold we, out. We don't have to fear you anymore. You know." And this is obviously his moment of showing. Oh yes, you do. Oh, you yeah. know. And he says something, and his crew pulls guns out, and they're all standing there watching. And the guy's like, "This meeting's over," and so. You know, they go, they go ahead and handle it, you know, take coat off. He's like, you can keep your rings on. It ain't going to matter. Yeah. And I was I, like, oh, yeah, this. That's, this is awesome. And, you know, the fight scene was pretty realistic to me. You know, this is a big guy, but Frank's a big guy too. And Frank was using his size and reach, jabbing him a little bit. And pumping speed. Him. Yeah. The guy would come at him and he would shuck and give a few. Um you know, and it wasn't like a total 100% ass whooping. The guy did get him up there, get a shot to the body. Yeah. Um, but then Frank just pop, 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 de- demolished him. Then headbutted him. Yeah. To, to finish him. Yeah, I was impressed. Um, you know, uh, you could say maybe it was a little out of the realm of reality, but nah, I, I thought it was spot on. I really enjoyed it. I thought this was the coolest Oh, uh, Vince Vaughn's looked in a long time. Oh yeah, and the coup de grace, pulling the teeth out. Yeah, how do you greet the fucking world with these? You know, yeah, and really. Then, I mean, he rips them out. I was. This was money. 
I mean, had the pliers on hand, you know, a little convenient, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, who carries pliers in their back pocket? Uh, I know? guess his right-hand man, Knuckles. Yeah, uh, Knuckles, yeah. <laughs> Still hadn't seen Nails. Where I want to meet this Nails character. Yeah. Some bitch. Anyway, um, you know, that that was my favorite scene besides the beginning of the episode. Um it finally propelled Frank's character, Vince Vaughn's character, into a believable badass, a henchman, yeah, you know, a force. Yeah. Um, you know, because there was another part where Frank goes in there and muscles his contractor for more money again. You know, he's getting his mojo back, and of course he does and stuff. But it's just, you know, it's getting there. It slowly, slowly is getting back, you know, into the thick of it. Um, then of course, Ray and Annie are out there, um, and they're talking to the driver of the Cadillac and he's like, I just quit and, you know, there's nothing to it. You know, all that, not getting a lot of information and all of a sudden, poof, the, uh, you hear, a, you know, a Molotov go off basically in, in flames, you know, and from the preview, you were thinking this was Annie's car and she was alone and this was going to be a bad scene, but no, Ray's with her. And this is the part. I didn't like how convenient is it that while they're in talking to a guy about this car, the car is parked around the corner, gets torched while they're there by a masked man that basically should have, could have been long gone, but it kind of looks like he waits at the other end of the street and then takes off running. I don't know. This Seemed like a lot of setup. Did you, did you you catch any of that? I mean, do you see anything different? Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna say the scene was set up perfectly, but there's got to be a reason why this guy keeps not killing him, but sending messages. You know? Do you think it's the same person who's the Raven? I'm leaning towards no. Um, I'm thinking this is gonna be bigger than. One or two guys, you know. Um, to me, I, I'm leaning towards a bigger group of people that just weeding out people they don't want involved. Now, not to kill Ray, not to kill... I mean, because obviously, if he knows where they are, um, or whoever these people are, know where Ray is all the time. Um, and that was his car that was torched, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the caddy. Like I said, it was the Cadillac parked around the corner. They torched it for get rid of evidence. Hmm. Because they okay. were parked on the street. Yeah. And so they went around the corner to the house, and there was the caddy. And then it gets torched while the cops are there investigating. Well, that makes more sense then, that the caddy would be parked away from the where you live. You know, close enough where you can walk at distance, but far enough where no one could tell it's your car. You know? Mm-hmm. So did this guy steal the Cadillac? Or this guy parked the Cadillac there and tortured there on purpose to make it look like the driver quit his job. Uh, may have been the one who stole it. I think it's definitely to make the driver look dirty or deflect. I'm just torn at the timing of this. You know, to me, if this is professional job, if this is the way it was handled, then... 
the car should have already been gone, destroyed, evidence removed, you know, that kind of stuff. It wouldn't happen but days s- later. But same thing with the house that Ray got shot in. The camera and the hard drive should have been gone already. Well, I think that's more plausible because nobody knew about that. But if we're assuming that it was raven-headed person that killed Ben Casper in that house and knew about the camera and stuff, then it should have already been gone. True. I'll give you that. Like, why are they coming back only when Ray's inside to get it? Have to well, shoot Ray and you know, get it. You mentioned this when we were not on the air, but have we really established that is the crime scene to Casper's death? Don't get me wrong. There was a big pool of blood on the floor, and you know there was that contraption, and there was a mask missing, and all that kind of stuff like that. But there are some theories going out there, which I'm listening to. That this is a house that they maybe film snuff films or. You know, or maybe the rich pay to come in and they kill uh, a female or a girl or something, um, you know, as part of this. And Casper is just a guy who's the bankroll or a watcher or something. I don't know. I mean, did we ever confirm that's exact, That's where he was killed? I mean, I know Ray said, I got a crime scene, but I don't have, but I never, you never heard, never confirmed this is where Casper was died. Right. They haven't made the 100% confirmation on it. Now, you don't always need a show to spell out every word for you, but, you know, you never know what these shows, you know. I mean, it could literally be anything, so. Yeah, I think they're hitting us with so many directions. You don't know what to think. And when we get the usual suspects, you'll see what we're talking about. But, yeah, like you say, with the scene, though, I mean, they, they chase this masked man through Tent City, basically, uh, with all the homeless and stuff like that. Um, cool scene though. Did you see him go? One of them go right through the fire, and the spark flies up. And all yeah, that stuff. really absolutely. well executed. Uh, direction. Tumped over one of the tents and went up yeah. in flames. You yeah. know, and or one of the barrels tumped tumped over. You know, and this is one of those few shows where like something catastrophic could actually happen to a main character, and it'd be believable. Oh, absolutely. But I'm to the point now where I'm wondering: is it on purpose that these people they're seeing? the guy that's doing this to him you know what i mean like did that guy hang out long enough to let them come around the corner and see the car and see him you know just like leaving ray alive uh at the house it's like why are they showing him these things why are they leaving these clues or leaving these messages basically for him yeah i'm with you there's there is something big and i just don't I hadn't put the pieces together, but just like just like last season, you know, you really didn't get a grasp of things until really close towards the end, you know. Right. It's almost like somebody's leaving breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs, but doesn't want to incriminate themselves. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, you're on the right track, but I can't let you find this. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna take this, but yeah, you're you're going the right way, you know, right. type of deal. Um, Frank goes home. The wife starts apologizing like she did something wrong. Um, he doesn't really say a whole lot. And then he pulls out the teeth out of his pocket, looks at him, dumps them in the trash can like there's yeah. nothing, you know, and he's like, you want to talk? And he's like, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. And then credits, you know, um, like I said, the episode was not bad. I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it just 
it dragged or was a little slow in some parts in between things. Um, but I think it's going to ramp up big time. Now we're on the same level as all the screeners and critics and all like that. Um, and you can't even get on anywhere and find out what the plot line is for the next episode. Uh, all we can get is a name. And um, I think this is where the show really amps. I am truly, truly, truly looking forward to the next episode. I really suspect this is going to propel uh, the show into the next level and really segregate it from this first season. Right. And before we get moving too far away, I, we missed a couple scenes. And they're probably they're not necessarily super consequential, but you had the scene with Annie and Internal Affairs. Where Internal Affairs is saying Oh yeah, I didn't even write that bull crap down. Uh, you know, she's you like know, use your saying, feminine wiles. I'm not and, saying to have sex with them, but make them be make them think it's possible, you know. Which she seems to take huge offense to, basically. Because I think she's starting to like Ray a little bit. Not necessarily in a sexual way, but like... No, like a, a lost kinship. puppy look. Yeah. Right. So, I think she, in a way, is kind of... Is checking them as well. Yeah. Like, why why are we doing this to this guy, you know? Like, what's the big deal? He's just yeah. a... What's the purpose? He's just a burnout. Yeah. Um, and then the scene with Paul, after he bumps uh, into Vince Vaughn's character, he has the conversation with the two gay prostitutes. That's right. Oh, he was chugging down booze. He was so uncomfortable, you know. Right. And he you know, he pays one guy for a little bit of a... Information. A tip, which I can't... For the life I know what he said. He, he told him he's a watcher. He, you know, like I did a girl and he watched me and for the right price, I can do anything. You right. Know, with a little bit of... Uh, Medication. Medication to help. Right. You know, kind of point, steering the point right that what Paul does with his girl. Basically, yeah. You know, it's just another, it was just a little tidbit of information, that, you know, to let you know he's closeted, you know, or conflicted or whatever you want to call it. Um, let's go some of the feedback. Um, Will wrote in and said, Z and J, season two is a mess. Too much being thrown against the wall to see if sticks. Colin Farrell is a good actor who shines in his role, while Rachel McAdams' one expression fits all is beginning to wear like fingernails on a chalkboard. Uh, the rest of the cast falls somewhere in between. The best part of last night's episode was Fred Ward as Ray's dad. I'll give it one more week of my time to see if it picks up. Um, appreciate the write-in, Will. Um, I can't. I have. I can't really disagree with some of this. I mean, he says there's a ton of stuff thrown to the wall to see if it sticks. I think that's on purpose. I think they're trying to throw so much stimulation information at you to make you guess in a hundred different directions of where this is going. That's what makes the show intriguing is that, damn it, there, there's not anybody you can definitively say they know who the bad guy is or the conspiracy is or anything right now. They haven't given you enough. They've just given you just a little bit, but it's a hundred little pieces and there's no way to put the puzzle together yet. Right, and like I said, I think this is the last episode with training wheels i think it all amps up from here there's no doubt um colin farrell has done ex exceptional he has definitely raised his credibility with me uh rachel maddox i think is playing a part as a person who is angry at the world and so her expression and how she does things i think that's who the character is supposed to be so we'll give her a, give her a little more time i think things will change and her best scenes are with ray's involved exactly i mean just like when she got saved when you know he saved her you oh, know, didn't even talk truck, about that. You yeah. know, he's like, well, what they got on me? Well, I don't know. You know, yeah. So, a little bit there. Um, Jesse wrote in. Okay, I have a long shot theory for you guys. Uh, Annie is the killer. 
They keep foreshadowing with everyone's assumption that the bird mask person who shot Ray is a man. That's almost obvious setup for it. it's a woman twist. The shotgun blast with rubber pellets was a police issue riot gear, and Annie has so far a cloudy and unexplained history of sexual abuse as a child. Take all these into consideration. Add on her sister is caught up in the scene. There seems to be plenty of plenty of motive for Annie. Your thoughts? Uh, if Annie's the one who torched the car, you know if. Um. I, I'm just that's, not, I'm that's not too following far. along with it. Yeah, Too far uh, a reach for me. So far. I mean, like I said, there may be more evidence later. but I, Well, I will give you this, Jesse. I do not think it's a singular entity we're dealing with. So, Andy could be a player. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I'm not feeling it. But when we get to our usual suspect segment, when we talk about each character and their possibilities of being dirty or involved, we'll get a little more on that. Um, Kate wrote in, I think Frank's wife is the next to go to die, which will turn Frank into a full psycho for this, for the rest of the season. Do you think this is a possibility? Well, I mean, I think anything is possible, uh, with this show, but I don't think so because I think she's kind of the, um, kind of the conscience on the shoulder for him. Yeah. She, if he's the positive, she's the ground, you know, they keep, she, she keeps him balanced just enough. Right. I think she will be what keeps him from going fully off the handle, you know, because he could lose her. Um, he needs to be more sensitive to the situation with the fertility and everything, you know, so I, I see her sticking around, you know, and not to mention she could be part of the conspiracy herself. Yeah. Oh, appreciate the writing, Kate. Um, I'll do another one because we we'll get to our next segment. Uh, Jake K says the opening scene was more like an homage to a David Lynch movie. Um, I'm not real familiar with David Lynch. I've seen a couple things, um, and I could see where that's coming from. And I think that's a good analogy. I, I think some of the best directors and writers actually pull from other great works to make their own. I think the original idea is almost gone in today's world. You know, even though I think True Detective season one was a really, really cool writing and how it was put together and so on, but you know, realistically, you could say parts or how it was done like that. You could say were plucked from different things, and I think that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even the best football coaches all got their offenses or defenses plucked from somebody who did it a long time ago or another version and just spiced it up. It's like adding your seasoning to a chicken. It's still a chicken, you know. Uh, I'll tell you what the opening scene really reminded me of, and that was Mystic River. And it was Tim Robbins' character talking about the vampires. And how he was running through the woods. and But he was sitting there and he was talking to his wife without even looking at her. You know, and he was just watching just some random TV show, you know. And he says, I'm talking about vampires. You know, no one understands exactly what he's, what he's talking about. Right. But he's talking about running from, you know, the people that had him locked up and all that stuff that happened to him as a kid, you know. I don't know. For some reason, that's that scene really reminded me, and a lot of it had to probably to do with him talking about Ray running through the woods and them shooting him to pieces at the end and stuff. And I look at like kind of that Tim Robbins character in in Mystic River, how you know his past comes back to haunt him, and even though he does what he thinks is right, it still ends up getting him killed in the end. Yeah, I'm with you there. 
it almost makes you think that this is the beginning of Ray realizing uh, what he needs to do and becoming a redemptive character. I think we were showing all his bull crap in the beginning to make us like him that much more as he slowly becomes a redemptive character. And to possibly even have what the first season didn't is have a, a death of one of your main characters, which like I said from the beginning, one of the four, if not more, are not going to survive this this whole season. And I think that's what's going to you know add its spice to it. I mean, honestly, God, I wouldn't be surprised if three of the four die. That's where I'm kind of headed. And I honestly think you're right on track with the redemptive arc. I think he's going to get a redemptive arc and kind of towards the end, maybe we'll see a thing where he's like, well, I know how to protect my son, you know, and go on a suicide mission or whatever the case may be, you know, end whatever past he has tying him to Frank or whoever and kind of just putting a cap on everything where his son could never find out. Yeah. Well, he could bring the whole thing down. And and cleanse all his negativity that could ruin anything. Yeah, or yeah, maybe do something like that where he turns state evidence or whatever the case may be, and actually get a positive outlook for his son. Right. To look at. You right. Know? You know, a, a true lasting uh, positive effect on a scumbag. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Jake K also said that um, this show is obviously going into a more singular direction as a lot of comic shows have done. Uh, this is a corrupt underbelly of the powers that be uh, intertwining with true life and this show is just exposing it for what it is. We will see several characters involved in the negative part of this, not a singular one. Do you all agree? Yeah, I'm on the, I'm definitely on the scene of uh, thinking there's this a a bigger, you know, puppet master, you know, working a few strings right. with some people. Um, I've got an interesting theory in which I'm more leaning towards, and I'm gonna hit it with this in the next segment is that I think this is more of a singular entity doing this to expose the corruption of the city. Does that make sense? Not that the corruption is doing this. But this is something in, to expose the corruption to show a greater thing. Um, and so we'll get we'll dive more into that. We had some other feedbacks. We appreciate y'all, uh, Rachel, Ellen, um, another guy, Jake, and so on. Basically had some of the exact same theories and some other spots and some other ones that had some singular comments they just really like to show. We appreciate y'all writing in and continue to do so, man. We love the emails, love the tweets. Um, you know, we're bleed TV podcast at gmail.com and we're also at, at bleed TV podcast on Twitter. Hit us up, follow us. We're all about it. Keep it up. Um, man, let's go into this new part I've been dying to get into. Um, like I said, this is, we've got our three episodes, just like the screeners. And I want to go just by, you know, the main character of the show. And these are a compilation of what, uh, Jake and I have kind of thought about each one of these characters and the possibility of where they go or if they're involved or, you know, cause some people say, which I, I believe this as well, is that we've seen, the uh, you know one of the main characters who is the part of this murder or you know or is a major player in it um 
And if we're going to go down the line and just kind of throw some percentages and some maybe some evidence or possible motives and really look forward to see if any of these pan out. And so uh, this is our usual suspects uh, segment. Bro, I'm going to go down to the four main characters. Um, Do you think Ray uh, is dirty or involved in any part of this murder conspiracy? Zero percent. I agree. Zero percent. Uh, my one piece of evidence that I really like to say is uh, he was shot twice, yeah. uh, found on the floor on the crime scene. So I'm going to go with a no. Um, and I think he is the quintessential main character of this entire season. And it's truly our, is the true detective. So, um, all right. Annie, any, which percentage you think? Zero. Um, you know, I, I like the theory that Jesse sent in, you know, that maybe she is like that, but I'm with you. Zero percent, you know, not involved. Um, I think she might have some relation to it based on her father. I think her dad's scenario and things like that could be intertwined with this, but she's not a part of it. Yeah, no. Um, Paul's character. Do we think Paul has any chance of being this? Now, I will tell you, I gave him a 15% chance of possibly being one of the bad guys. Here's why. If you think about it, he was not around when Ray got shot. Okay? Police issue ammo. Um, Yes, he finds the body, but that could be coincidental or he knew it needed to be found and the show just made us think... You know, um, that's why I say there's, uh, he fits the build of the guy who was carrying the, the shotgun, you know, he could handle carrying a body and posting it up. Um, you know, there little things like that. Don't get wrong. Now when he catches the body, he looks at the wallet and says, you know, shit and calls it in, you know, is he upset that he found a body or is he upset that I can't be, I have to call this in, you know, I mean, there's a little bit there. I'm still going to go. Um, zero percent on okay, him so too. You, but let me ask you this question: Do you think he actually went back to the model or the actress's place for the blowjob? They have not given solid proof either way. All you have is him denying it. I'm saying no. I think it's a dead issue. I think they quashed that when his guy he had a three day fling with. He's like, I know you didn't, because I know you're gay. You know that he didn't say that, but that's what I felt like. Like if he can't get it up with that smoking hot girlfriend he's got, he ain't gonna take a BJ from the from the actress. I'm not saying he necessarily went back to get a BJ. I'm just saying maybe there's a little darker side to Paul. You know. Yeah, I give that zero percent. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. All right, uh, Frank. You think Frank is behind all this? No, unfortunately, I think Frank is the heel on all of this. I think Frank is the biggest loser in this situation. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah. only supported by his frustration and things he's doing and so on. So I gave him 0% as well. Yeah. Um, Frank's wife. I bolstered her up to 65%. Chance. <laughs> oh, I think. I think... She is a definite player. I don't know. I don't think she's the shooter or anything, but 
but just there's too many things she has available to her that are too convenient to the information we have at hand. And she is one of my top two, three possibilities based on the information we have gotten so far. Now, this could change the next episode completely, but based on the three episodes we got right now and the way I feel or predict, she is one of the top two or three plausible key figures in this. Here's my reasons why. Don't think she likes the idea of him being legit. I think she's enjoyed him being a power tripping, uh, you know, casino manager. Uh, you can be touched by anybody, that kind of stuff. Um, I think she's in, she's got a good enough relationship with the mayor, um, the Russian, all these other stuff like that. That she's playing the card. Plus, she knows she's probably close with Blake and his henchmen. So anything Frank knows, she can know. Um, you know, things like that, you know, and she could send one of his men to be going and doing the Raven mask or getting rid of the cars or doing it. There's, there's a lot of possibilities with her connections to Frank. She would know that the money for all, you know, she's got the 10 million, you know, or, or she's a part of the big parties that Casper's parting, or maybe she's Tasha. You know, there's so many ways she could be involved in this. That's why I went with 65%. Zero zero percent. Oh my, cutting my nuts, man! Uh, I'm going zero, man. I think she is going to be the moral um, high ground for Frank. Yeah, you left me on a damn island. <laughs> I'm and serious, I man. I, oh. I like the fact that there's there's the possibilities and that they're kind of showing you some things. Uh, that make so this you, is all deflector. I think it is. I think it's all just you it know might be absolutely right ways to take your attention away. All right, moving on. Blake, uh, the missing right-hand man. Um, okay, I'm a little bit confused on Blake. In the first episode, he sends, Frank sends Ray after, what was the guy's name? The supposed rapist. I don't remember his name. I swear I thought his name was Blake. Okay, and when he started saying, and where the hell is Blake? I thought this was maybe a henchman that he just hadn't seen in a while or something like that, right? But yeah. then I remember it's his right-hand guy that's been around. Yeah. And it just so happens he's got red hair. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, the whole, there's a lot of people talking about how Blake is probably the guy who raped Ray's wife, and this was a way to get Ray to become a dirty cop in Vinci. While cleaning up some problem he needed cleaned up exactly and just pinning it on somebody exactly you know. it was you know it was killing two birds with one stone you get a dirty cop a problem is taken care of you know that's uh it's smart this is where i think is going to be the down of frank because i think ray finds out that he gave him the wrong information on purpose and took him down this dark path that his life has gone down he lost his wife lost his son and it's going to find out that Frank did it on purpose yeah, to get yeah. him in this, in this dark path. All this crap he's done has been for them under a false pretense. Right. Now, do I think Blake has anything to do with the Raven mask or the, the, the Casper central murder? Plan. I'm going to give him 20%. I gave him 25 Good to see we're on the same okay. page. Uh, and the reason I don't go any higher... Is because I think it's too in your face. 
too obvious, right? Like, for him to be like, "I'm gone, my phone died, I was with my wife." Da da da. It's almost like they want to push. Oh, that's the bad guy to you. It was too much. If anything, I was more on his camp to be the bad guy before this episode. I was yeah. kind of like, yeah, he's not around. Something's not right. They're not talking about him enough. All you hear is, where in the hell is Blake? And then he shows up. He's like, my phone died. I was with a woman. And this is all the same time that Stan dies and the red hair theory. It's just. He is super sweaty and nervous when he comes in. Um, well, I would just not, found a dead body, you know, with somebody on the crew. But I would not also put it past the fact that maybe he's the one that killed Stan. Not that he's the one that killed Casper, but that there was an altercation between him and Stan. Yeah, well, I can see that. Um, moving on. Ray's partner, Sweatsuit. Okay, he's definitely not Raven Mask because Sweatsuit's. No, he's a missing fat about slob. 60 pounds in the midsection. Um, um, but. Do I think sweatsuits involved? I'll give another twenty percent. I said twenty percent on the money. Yeah, um, um, that he's involved in the bigger picture. I think so. I think he's more of the. I gave him twenty percent. I don't think he has much to do with anything with the the Casper murder, but I think he's definitely a part of the corruption that could be involved in the murder. Does that make sense? If there is that, it's causing the murder. I don't know. He's Main, a, mainly, I think he's going to be a part of the. Uh, you know, putting Ray under, but protecting yeah, okay. the Vinci tops. Oh, he's def- he's definitely taking care of the interest. Like a stooge, you know. Yeah. The mayor. I don't think he's involved. I got 0%. I got 15. Um, this was my thoughts. The railway coming in could threaten his power and control. Maybe the funneling of his money. If all of his guys get big and rich and they don't have to pay him anymore. Um, you know, all this new influx could push him out. You know, I could see that being an issue and that he is driving the police chief and lieutenant pulling their strings to take care of Casper, to try to make this deal fall, not lose Frank. You know what I'm saying? There is a little bit of that inkling that there's a possibility because I don't think the chief and the lieutenant are clean by any means in the situation. Oh, definitely not. And so you put those things together, you know, it's corruption and murder to the top, you know. So I, I gave him a 15% chance that it could go that avenue, um, but I think it's thin. Now, I just think he wants us to go because so, he's got money and stakes in this land deal. Gotcha. So, uh, um, the mayor's son. Nah, too dumb. Even the mayor said about his son that he couldn't handle the, the deep trip. And he's kind of just a, you know, burnout he's, he's himself. He's a dim bulb in the yeah. situation. I think he wants to be a player and he's going to end up getting killed because he's Wanting to get yeah, to I gave him um, like five percent. That you know, I don't think he's a shooter or anything of that nature. If anything, he's just a, the party goer. You know, whatever he got the information. He's not a player. Okay. Um, the shrink. Okay, the shrink. I gave him seventy percent. He's at the top say, of my list. I was gonna say seventy-five percent. Uh, Some big clues his way. First of all, he's a creepy looking son of a gun. Wearing the glasses the whole time they're interviewing. His whole little shop up there with 
surgery and girls and connections to possibility of girls missing the paintings of the totems that have the raven heads on them it's just a lot of little clues that makes you think there's a his connection to elliot and her, her dad's little cult and um he's also wearing uh low-cut boots yeah that match pretty close if not exactly the low-cut boots or the boots of whoever stepped out of the Cadillac to drag Ben's body out. Yeah. He he's my number one. He has right a now. slender build. Yeah. Kinda like the shooter dud. Wears a suit. Yeah, with an ascot and all that type of stuff, but it's not too far out there. No. Only thing I would say about it is he's a little old. I think he might be do you I think he might be the major player, but do you really think he is the one who murdered and shot Ray. That's the part that bothers me. That's that's where I'm. He doesn't a look like the guy who would have a shotgun, have the reflexes to shoot Ray, put another round in him, and definitely not the guy who flamed the car and took off running. Exactly. Um, that's that's why I don't have a higher percentage on him. I'm mean, only wrong. Seventy's high. He just right now he's my number one, but. He's not the muscle. No, and like I say, I feel like there's a few people involved, not one person. So, in my mind, even giving him 75%, it basically means he's one of the few people right. involved in the scene. All right, here, here's one of my favorites. The lieutenant. Okay? Here's my thing. I gave him 45%, and the reason I gave him 45% is, is that I think he's the raven head. Here's my prediction. Y'all write it down. Put it somewhere. Bleed TV. Zach right here. Lieutenant is the shooter. Okay. Matches the build. Three-piece suit. Uh, shotgun with police ammo. He's first one on the scene. He looks like he wants to make sure anything and everything evidence-wise goes through there. I think... Uh, he can find out where Ray is. He could be tracking him. He could be, you know, he has just enough information and just enough dirt on him to, you know, wanting everything steered a certain way and go this way like that. That I think he he's the cover up. He's the Raven guy who's covering up a bigger situation. He's the guy who's handling it for the real bad guy. But he's the Raven mask. Okay. Uh. I'm going to go zero. 0%. <laughs> All right. I don't have any nuts left after you've cut these off. No. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. I feel like he's another one of the ones that's put in there perfectly to deflect you a little bit. Because, I don't know. I mean, he... <sighs> because, well, here's, here's my reason why. He's the only cop that looks at least somewhat physically fit enough to be the one, right? To be the shooter. And even possibly the guy who torches the car. Okay. It's possible. I'll give it a chance that that's him, even though he's up there in his years too. Okay? So that's why I think he's a deflector. And the fact that this police ammo makes me move towards who I think my number one shooter is. Okay? I know you haven't got to this point yet on there. You may not even be on your list. But I'm thinking my shooter is... Paul's gay buddy 
from the Black Mountain crew. Okay. Really? Because this guy talks about how he misses it and if, wanted to know if he would ever go back and stuff like that. I feel like that's the kind of guy that could get pulled in too. You know what I mean? Right. Plus, the kind of, the he's kind an ex-mercenary. Right. The kind of guy who would take money or take the ability to get back into what he was used to being. You know, and he has the build. He has the age. Maybe not the Raven shooter, but maybe more the flame guy. The torch of car guy. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of people say it's two different people, but I don't want to believe it's two different people. I think it gets too complicated if you have too many different bad guys. I think you got to have a henchman and you got to have a bad guy. Okay, well, I'm leaning towards he's the henchman. I'm plausible. Do you Very take, plausible. Whatever. You take the police rounds, this guy can clearly use less lethal ammo. Military, whatever the case may be. Great angle. I mean, it's a great right. angle. He, he wasn't even on my list, but he's now on it. Right. So you think he's obviously athletic. He's He can clear room. You know, he's going to know how to draw down on somebody without getting shot like he did with Ray. Yeah. Mercenary. That's that's spot on, man. You that's know, good with stuff. the rough past, you know, seen some shit already. That's where I'm leaning right now is right. that guy. I'm going to give him a 40%. On that one. And you can give him whatever. Whatever. Jake, Bleed TV, Shooter, The Gay, <laughs> Black Mountain. There you go. Three Nights hey, in Paradise, I, I'm, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Let's go down the line. The Chief, 0%. Zero, yeah. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> old codger. Catalyst Guy, too old. 0%. Casper's secretary. Hang on one second. Catalyst guy. Catalyst guy. I don't want to want 100% remove him from my possible several people. Hold on. I Actually, I take that correction. I gave him 15%. I said, here's my reason why. The corporation has found out that Casper is dirty, has sex correction, crime, corruption, and wants to distance themselves from him and all that affecting their land deal or government business trade. Right. This is where I could lean towards the catalyst round, just like you're talking about. Remove all corrupt organizations that are trying to buy in, right? What if Casper did give the money? And they're like, okay, thanks, and then blew them away. You know, did whatever they had to do. Um, Trying to remove Frank. Yeah, because really, you blow his nuts off afterwards and so on, and you spin it to where the cops look at it as, as a sexual angle, a personal situation, but really, you just want to make sure that this all goes in a different direction so that the deal can move forward and it has nothing to do with corruption. Right. So this is where I'm starting to lean towards a company like Catalyst hiring a the guy mercenary. like the mercenary to... You know, take out certain people, but also leave breadcrumbs in certain directions to get everybody else in trouble that they don't want involved in the railway deal. The rich get richer, you know, and the sloppy people get X'd off the list. Right. And the mercenary guy might not even know that Paul's involved in the, in, in the investigation. That could be an unraveling later. Not yet. He obviously doesn't know yet. Right. All right. Casper's secretary. Uh, like the law and orders of past, 
you know, which I was a huge Law & Order fan, saw all 18, 20 seasons, you know, loved every bit of Call Me Improved, whatever. Bottom line is, is that like 90% of their episodes, they give you a little sprinkle of the bad guy in the beginning or midway through the episode. And then you have the unveiling at the end. And <gasps> wow. And it all connects at the end. I've seen just enough of her to make me think she's involved. Not a major player, but she, you know, she could be a shot caller in the situation. Maybe she realized Casper's, Remember, she said she's new, only doing this for six months. Maybe she realized Casper was a bad guy, was exploiting women, uh, saw how he was handling money, this, that, or so on, and got somebody to take care of him and end all this. And I don't know. Or she is a pawn to a bigger character, you know, like the shrink or some, you know, right. or something like that to cover up the other big problem. This is another one where I feel like she could be under the catalyst thumb, you know, put in place to, because I mean, the house is leased by them. The car is leased by them. She's aware of the location of the house. She's the one that tells them that he had another residence, you know? Um, you know, it's just like, I, I could see her put there just to get things in order with his finances, you know? to whatever maybe she's the one with all the money if she took the money or something like that and transferred it around before he could make the deal or whatever the case may be so like yeah. i said i'm not giving her i'm not giving her shooter status no but i'm giving her pawn status yeah i'll give you that i'm with you on that all right elliot annie's dad no okay so here's where i feel like it's possible that if there's a three like three headed monster right. of Elliot, the shrink, and Catalyst guy. Okay. Okay. If those three with the Chimera going here. If those three headed monster of somewhat legitimate people are you know being bought in, you know what I mean? Or they're getting in on the ground floor as legitimate businesses or whatever the case may be, or at least cleaner people. I could see that where they're pulling the strings gotcha. to remove all illegitimate, sloppy people. You gotcha. know? Okay. Um, I feel like Elliot has ties, obviously, to the shrink, you know, back in the day and stuff like that. Like maybe their meeting was the original meeting of these people. You know what I mean? Like they were all a part of this. And had relationships through the good people and his cult or whatever. And that started the relationships that are leading towards what's going on now. And they're all trying to write their major meal ticket, basically. Right. Um, I think Elliot's dad is a character that just connects the Annie's character to her history. And it will relate to whatever horrific or corruptive things going on, but that's the extent of him. I don't think he has any play in the pointing a finger or saying this guy's got to go or, you know, like as part of a group that makes a decision. You know what I mean? I don't see him being a part of that. I'm almost to the point where it's possible he's the number one, where he's the top of the, of the head. Bold. That's bold. Okay. And... 
he's making decisions and stuff like that. Mainly because he's such a good actor. And I don't yeah, see him putting... Yeah, it'd be a putting, waste to see David Morse. Yeah. yeah, I don't see him putting the David Morse actor in there just to be some occasional character. I'm with show. you. I'm with you. Well, that's just like the lieutenant. Now, that guy's another actor who's in a lot of stuff. I agree. You know, why? You know, why is he there? That's why, that's why I say, I think he could be the henchman. Okay. Um, Elvis. No. I'm with Zero. You. Zero. Unfortunately, I think he's going to be one of the ones to bite a bullet for too long. Yeah. Unfortunate circumstance. The waitress, the girl with scars. Okay, I think the girl with the scars is going to end up tying into Elliot and them. I think she's like a key, is a piece of information that connects point A to point B that is part of the unraveling of the whole mystery, but I don't think she's a player. The only reason I think she's going to be involved um, is she might save Ray's life at some point because she obviously has fondness for him. And maybe maybe Ray's escape will be literally to go to Mexico with her. Maybe so. I, I think her scars are just a visual signal of something that points the finger more at the shrink. It's just a subtle hint, you know. She's a mistake. She, you know, the scars are a lot more disturbing than like a car. You know, it doesn't look like a car accident. It looks like... Somebody went to looks like somebody on cut her. her. Yeah, looks like somebody cut her face. Yeah, you know, like looks like a hack job. All right, here is my wild card, and the reason I put this in here is because this has always been an itch I've never been able to scratch, and I'm gonna go explain it. I think these two people are connected, and you know, I could be way off base. I think the foreclosure couple are involved. Here's my reasoning. First of all, why show him? Okay. Why does Andy meet him? Why does she talk about her sister missing? Why do we find out about somebody who's calling to see if she was, people are looking for him? Why do we have all this angles? Why does it lead to Elliot? Why does it lead to that? Think about what they saw in the room when they were in that house. They're being foreclosed, but they have a, a hugely expensive TV, video games for the kids. People are well-dressed. The, the guy is at home asleep at the table. Hispanic man, young, well-fit, good shape. I, what's to say he's not the shooter or henchman? She, you know, this is a family thing to expose. They found out what happened to her sister. She's being held captive either by the shrink or powers that be doing whatever this sex, snuff film, whatever, you know, Casper was bankrolling. And, you know, they find out he's it. They go torturing, do his eyes, blow his junk off, and this is all to show and put him right next to a catalyst to sign to saying this is the symbol of corruption. And when you investigate this, it's going to show you that this guy was doing bad things to women. It's connected to girls, bankrolling it, the whole nine yards, and that's the reason they showed us to him, showed us in the beginning. Zero <laughs> percent. I'm gonna say what those that couple's for was just introduce us to her sister, and the fact that her sister was in Gundersville or whatever that place was called, and made the phone call from there, asking, "Is anybody looking for me?" 
That's why another reason I think Elliot's involved in the huge overwhelming plot. Um, another wild card? Annie's sister. Is Annie's sister Tasha? Good Is question. Annie's she was the next one on my list. The The girl that was in the house that was going to be snuffed or raped or just part of the video, whatever the case may be. Um, Zero percent. You don't. <laughs> no, uh, I think it's crazy that they showed her and they're like, go back to doing drugs, go back to doing that stuff, and then glitter her hair and she's legitimate business and all that stuff. I get that. I just. Maybe she's at the party. Maybe she has information. They don't realize it. I just don't see her being a integral part of the overall. Oh, I think she's going to die. Whoa. For sure. Annie will have to put a few more blades on her for the next guy. She just looks at funny. Yeah, I, honestly, I think something's going to happen to her in the business she's in. Maybe it has to do with the high price prostitution that's going on at these parties and stuff. And maybe Annie goes after her dad for it. You know, because she's like the sole survivor now of that cult. Yeah, five kids. Um, you know, I could... I could see that sending Annie over the edge. Gotcha. So which makes me think it will happen. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'm cutting it right there on the usual suspects. We yeah, went through like 20 characters there. That's fine. You know, that's that's fine. a that's long it. period, but uh, that's where we are. And we're looking forward to it. Um, let's let's get ready to wrap the show. We'll talk about the preview just for a second. And guys, if you don't want to hear about the preview, just go ahead and cut us short. Uh, we really appreciate y'all listening and so on. And um, I don't think we're gonna, you know we're going to do anything else. But go through the preview and give you the name for the next episode, and then uh, cut her cut you loose. And so uh, if you want to cut it now, we're going to give you about a three second pause before we go to the preview. All right, uh, preview for next week. Uh, it shows Annie and Ray talking, um, and they drive out to this really far. I guess this is the north side of town. And they talk about why would the victim visit all these sites? And it looks like a construction zone. There's pipes everywhere with little orange flags all over them. Like the, survey flags. Yeah, like survey flags. Somebody was talking, wrote in, and said they thought those were markers for possible body spot. You know, like somebody dropped a body. I don't think so. I think it was all construction. I think it was all just convenient locations. Um you know, of course, he says, well, this is where the bodies are buried. You know, maybe these are where the bodies are buried. You know, I think it was just more of a joke, you know, like, you know, somebody trying to hide his skeletons, you know. Um, but it shows that. And then it shows Frank, um, you know, he's talking to his wife. And she's, she's like, somebody's pulling me back on the streets. And the wife says, uh, like that, you know, like he's going farther than he ever has. You know, it gives you that leading that he's deeper and darker than he was when he was non-legit. Um, and then it goes, um, it shows, uh, Paul's character, um, like forehead to forehead with his girlfriend. Did you see that little quick clip of that? You know, he's just looking at her and I don't remember that. And it looks like his facial expression looks like he's struggling. Like he's, he's wanting to me prediction. Um, he's coming to grips with who he is. And maybe he's talking to her about it or something bad happens in the episode. Cause later in the preview, 
it looks like he has a bad moment and maybe he's talking to her about it or on you know getting something off his chest it doesn't look like a positive moment um and then it goes back to ray um giving his son that plastic in case you know encasing of the shield and telling him you know this is good this might mean this is gonna mean something to you one day and you can tell he's snuck onto the house and talking to him. This yeah, looks like he's in the backyard. Yeah, you know. it's at night. You know, it's really... Uh, and the kid's talking to him and gives him a hug and looks receptive, you know. Maybe when Ray's not slosh, drunk, on edge, you know, the kid doesn't look like he's on, you know, talk at him too much, you know. Yeah, I think this is... What he said to him was kind of cool, you know, just like, this will mean something to you one day. Remember... You know, everything wasn't so bad, you know, or whatever. Like, if anything comes out about me, remember this part of me, not, you know. Really putting that foreshadowing out there that something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, then it shows us right where Annie's talking to somebody and she's like, you know, it's like when you, it's the moments you, you know, you don't remember, but they remember you, is a line she says. And it doesn't give you a lot of context, you know, to what it was about or what she was saying. And then you see, like, all three of them, Paul, Annie, and Ray, they're all in, um, have vests on, got guns drawn, and it looks like they're about to do a raid. And at the very end of it, you see uh, Taylor Kitsch's character, Paul, screaming out, Thug! and kneeling down like something bad's happened. And that's it. It cuts away. You know, uh, so, you know, it makes you think there's something maybe epic's going to happen this next episode. What's the title of the episode? Next episode, this is all I got left, is uh, Down Will Come. Okay. You know, don't have a director yet. I don't know if it's the same guy. Uh, I have no plot points on it yet. All I have is that preview, and that's all she wrote. And so, uh, I'm, I'm drooling. I think we're definitely going to shift into third gear and get, you know, RPM going to be running, and we're going to be good to go on this next one. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. You know, um, it's uh, it's getting to that point. It's yeah, because it was the fourth episode of the first season that really blew the world away with the best scene of television history um, with the continuous shot through the projects and McConaughey going <laughs> bananas through the oh, houses. Oh, yeah. Cinematography is phen- phenomenal. Needless to say, they have a lot to live up to. For a fourth episode. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if this raid has the same thing. The camera never quits and follows and everything like that. That would be... I, I, I hate to use the same You don't thing. want to use the same thing. But they could do something that's just as impressive. Right. You know? I, I hope so. I, do I too. hope so. I do too. Guys, it's been fun. Uh, man, please keep hitting us up with that feedback and those positive reviews on iTunes and anywhere else. We really appreciate it. Um you know, but tonight we've been talking the year off, and uh, we look forward to next week. Unless you got anything else, man, we'll wrap it up. Now let's call it. All right, guys, we appreciate y'all. This is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake, and we'll see y'all next week. Change will come to those who have no fear, but I am not her. You never were the kind.